everyone, Laura K. Buzz here, and today I'm trying something new on this channel. I have a single episode of a TV show that I have a lot of thoughts about and I want to get really in-depth and nitty-gritty on, so I'm going to do a little video essay. We are going to get really in-depth on a single episode of a TV show. Don't worry, I will explain to you everything you need to know to understand this if you have not watched the episode or watched the TV show, but oh, oh, I have thoughts to share. So today, we are going to be talking about possibly my favourite ever episode of Star Trek. Now, there's a lot of very good episodes of Star Trek, a lot of different seasons of Star Trek that are good for their own reasons, but whenever someone asks me what's your favourite episode of Star Trek, I tend to think of Star Trek Voyager Season 2, Episode 24, Tuvix. Now, I'll explain everything you need to know to understand this episode, but if you are an avid Star Trek watcher, you will know who Tuvix is and what episode we're about to talk about. The Tuvix episode of Star Trek Voyager is messy, it's emotionally difficult. There are no easy answers in this episode about how to deal with the problems that arise. There's no magical MacGuffin that fixes the problem. There's just a deeply flawed situation and a lot of room for morality-based discussion that... I think that Star Trek really underutilizes its ability to dig into. So, what is Star Trek Voyager, and who are Neelix and Tuvok, the main two characters of this episode, or... I suppose that's not right, they're barely in this episode, but they're the two most important characters to understand in order to understand this episode. Star Trek Voyager is a Star Trek series from the mid to late 90s about a starship made up of two crews who have deeply opposing moral views, and get dragged to the other side of the Milky Way, and are basically forced to cooperate if the two crews are going to have any chance of getting home. You've got the Federation crew, the goody two-shoe space explorers who travel around meeting new alien species and being very excited about their post-scarcity economy, and you have the Marquis, who are a terrorist faction that the Federation were tracking through space when all of this went down. The series dealt a lot with what prices were and were not worth paying for this crew to make the incredibly long journey home, and to hopefully do so in their own lifetimes. Um, the series also focused on the relationships between a crew that was forced to work together despite opposing moral views, and the problems that come with being stranded away from any backup who can help you fix bizarre new problems you've never encountered, because you're on the other side of existence. Weird stuff's gonna happen, you're not gonna know how to fix it. Neelix is an alien met by the crew of the Voyager after they're pulled across space into the Delta Quadrant, and remains a crew member for most of the show's runtime. He's chef, morale officer, trade negotiator, ambassador to the Delta Quadrant, and navigator. Basically, he's a bit of an eccentric, lovable jack-of-all-trades who... While not always the most logical person, he's sweet, caring, empathetic, and trying his best to help the crew bumble across the stars. Tuvok, the other major player who sort of sets up this episode, is a Vulcan, the Star Trek alien species defined by painfully strict adherence to emotionless logic. Tuvok is Neelix's polar opposite, something that frequently causes the bear to clash. Tuvok is all about efficiency, data, and basically nothing that can't be empirically measured, at least at this point in the show. There are other characters who are going to come up and be relevant later, but we'll get to them when they become relevant. So, let's dive into the story of Tuvix. This episode of Voyager opens on Tuvok and Neelix on a planetary survey together, and highlights the episode's starting perspective, that 
These two characters fundamentally do not experience the world through the same lens. One is function-focused, and one is form-focused. Neelix tries to lay out that the two of them, while appearing to have very contrasting views, do have some things in common, such as their appreciation of nature, but they come at that appreciation from completely opposite perspectives. Neelix thinks that nature is beautiful. Tuvok believes that nature is structurally fascinating. The two of them both appreciate it, but they appreciate it for very different reasons, and this is this episode trying to get across the idea that the two of them could see eye to eye if they had a little insight into each other's frame of mind. The two characters try to teleport back to their ship with their collected samples, but due to some kind of mysterious malfunction, arrive back on the ship not as two separate characters, but as a single being, Tuvix. This episode of Voyager has the energy of a Freaky Friday body swap movie in places. The whole learning each other's perspective angle, but what makes this episode so interesting is the added complexity that comes with there being a new combination being involved. In a typical Freaky Friday story, all you have to contend with is if the people want to swap back or not. If one person wants their original body back, and the other one doesn't, as a pretty clear moral argument that you're living my life, that's my life, that's not fair. But here you don't have either of the impacted parties present to state their cases. If they like the change, if this new combined creature likes the change, there's no other grieved party able to demand things switch back. So, a transporter accident has left these two individuals as a single being. This is the episode's core premise. You now have to contend with the rights of this new individual being. If they prefer being this combination being, do you have the right to force them to turn back if that's going to stop this new being existing? You have the rights of the two originals to consider, but also the rights of this new combination, who is alive. It's not like forcing a switch back in a Freaky Friday body swap, where at worst someone will be sent back to a worse life that they dislike. If we force this one being back to two, this new being's going to cease to exist, which is a far steeper consequence, and I think what to me makes this episode so much more interesting than just another Freaky Friday body swap. So, this new being, as you've probably guessed, is going to be called Tuvix. I'm going to refer to them as Tuvix for now, uh, even though they haven't been named in the narrative yet, because, look, it's the episode title, you could guess that they were going to be called Tuvix, and it's just going to make conversation a lot easier. Tuvix is superbly acted by Tuvok's actor Tim Russ. The mixing of the pair of characters' mannerisms is really well handled, but it's also really nice to see Tuvok's actor, who usually only gets to play a very stoic, serious straight man role, given the room to flex his emotional range. The character initially introduces himself to the cast of the Voyager as Tuvok, and then as Neelix. He's initially unaware of the fact he's not two separate people. He has a little difficulty at first wrestling with the fact that he knows he is Tuvok and he knows he is Neelix, but he doesn't know what knowing he is both of those means for him. It's quickly established that Tuvix does still value logic to a degree. I think the logical thing is for me to go to sickbay. This is the episode seeding really early that this new character Tuvix does carry through a lot of traits of the two characters that formed him. He is not a completely out-of-the-blue new character, he is based on the people we know. 
So let's quickly talk about another important character to this story, Kess. Kess is a telepathic alien from the Delta Quadrant who is in a romantic relationship with Neelix. Kess is obviously the emotional wrinkle in this story, and the most important part of Tuvix's emotional choices to come. Kess is dating Neelix, and not Tuvix. She's never met Tuvix before. Tuvix has elements of Tuvok, who is not someone she's dating. It creates this situation where Tuvix believes he's dating Kess, because he's got all of Neelix's memories. He remembers being Neelix. He when he first came through the transporter, he thought for a moment he was Neelix. He knows that he loves her, but she doesn't know or love him. She's never met him. He's not the person she loves, and this is a really, really interesting problem to put on the table, and it just sort of evolves as the episode goes on. So, as we reach the med bay, the episode unfolds and we start to explore Tuvix's journey of identity-based self-discovery. I, we, that is to say, Tuvok and Neelix. It doesn't take Tuvix long to start understanding that he is neither Tuvok nor Neelix, nor both. He's very quickly viewing himself as a separate entity, far faster than the crew begin to see him that way. The breadcrumbs are here within hours of his creation. Tuvix believes, at a core level, he is his own unique being. Right, time for more character introductions. Janeway, the ship's captain, is perhaps my favourite ever captain in Star Trek history. Fight me over this if you like. Janeway is very quick to want to search for a fix. Uh, Janeway instantly decides the best way to deal with this is to turn Tuvix back into Tuvok and Neelix as soon as possible. But Tuvix really doesn't seem focused on uh, desire to become Neelix and Tuvok again. Um, he is much more concerned with understanding what he is now than focusing on the long-term goal of how and even can I turn back to who I was before. During these initial scenes, Kess is incredibly stilted with Tuvix, in spite of knowing and liking both and loving one of his constituent parts. Kess is not really engaging with her emotions. She's trying to pretend that this isn't weird. Tuvix sees the crew as his friends and his family, whereas Kess here stands in from the crew. She is the crew's representative of not reciprocating that same feeling. Kess is our stand-in for the crew doesn't feel like they know Tuvix, even though Tuvix feels like he knows the crew. From here, we start to dig a little into the show trying to clarify the exact nature of Tuvix's new existence, so that the stakes of the episode are probably established. Do you feel as if you're thinking with two minds? Two separate minds? Are Neelix and Tuvok inside of you? Talking to me? Talking to each other? If you mean am I suffering from some form of multiple personality disorder, I don't think so. I do have the memories of both men. But I seem to have a single consciousness. Note, he never says he is both men. He just remembers what they remember. This distinction is really important going forward. Now, despite the fact that during these early scenes, Tuvix shows a clear exploration of the idea that he is not Neelix and he is not Tuvok, he doesn't consider giving himself a name until he is prompted to by Kess, who clearly wants to name him so that she can assert him as a different person to her lover who is in there. So, 
What should I call you? Ah, a name. I hadn't thought of that. What an intriguing question. I can see why the doctor's finding it so difficult to choose one. A name can have a significant effect upon a person's sense of identity. I think this is very much a crystallising moment for Tuvix in this episode, in terms of him realising he's his own person. Giving himself a name requires that he start to think of himself outside of terms of being two people melded together. He is his own person. Now, this whole moment of Kess trying to encourage Tuvix to pick a name for themselves is a really interesting part of the episode I want to take a moment to focus on, because Kess's attempts to get Tuvix to build his own identity outside of his constituent parts is something that she initially does for her own benefit. She doesn't want Tuvix acting like he's her boyfriend Neelix. But as this episode progresses, she ends up being one of the main members of the ship's crew who begs to see Tuvix split into two people again. She builds up Tuvix the individual when it suits her, when it allows her to get better distance from this being who her boyfriend is now. And she throws that identity away when it suits her, as we will see later. It's one of the more morally complicated character arcs in this episode, and I think that it's really important that Kess is the one that initially builds up Tuvix to go, hey, pick a name, see yourself as your own person, because that just lends so much more weight to her role in the end of the episode. Tuvix thanks Kess for being there to support him, before calling her sweeting, an act which he very quickly apologises for, for having made Kess uncomfortable by crossing boundaries. Sweeting, if you hadn't guessed, is a term of endearment that Neelix used to use with Kess, and understandably that feels to Kess like crossing a boundary. Now, skipping forward a little bit in the episode, Tuvix feels very enthusiastic about being his new self. He's excited to get out of sick bay and get to living his new life. He wants to learn who he is. This hit a lot of notes for me as a trans person of when I was first coming out, Picking a new name to assert my new identity, parents feeling like I had killed my previous identity and, you know, being sad that they couldn't bring them back, even at the expense of who I was now, my wanting to get out and be a part of the world which is all very exciting and new. It's a weird comparison perhaps, but I can't help but think about it every time I watch this episode. Tuvix wants to get back to working the tactical desk on the ship's bridge, which was previously Tuvok's position as he has all of Tuvok's memories and doesn't see why he shouldn't be able to resume a command position. He may not have at this point fully internalised that the Neelix part of him might impact his choices. Right, time for another break to talk about another character. Voyager's Holographic Doctor. Referred to simply as The Doctor, not to be confused with the main character from Doctor Who, The Doctor was only meant to be activated in short bursts for emergencies, but Due to the crews being stranded in deep space, the crew leave him on essentially permanently as their main physician, which, across the show's run, leads to him developing in unexpected ways, and becoming a form of independent life whose rights to autonomy are later a big part of this show. One of my favourite parts of this episode is the Doctor's initial revulsion to spending any more time with Tuvix in Medbay. He's annoyed by both the Tuvok and the Neelix behaviours. And according to my tests, he's quite correct when he says that he possesses Tuvok's knowledge and expertise. He also possesses Tuvok's irritating sense of intellectual superiority, and Neelix's annoying ebullience. 
I would be very grateful to you if you would assign him some duty. This is important to note because it is in spite of these personal feelings about Tuvix that he later acts as Tuvix's only advocate and defender. He doesn't need to like Tuvix to know that the moral way for a doctor to behave is to protect Tuvix as this episode reaches its conclusion. This infuriation with Tuvix in the start of the episode is the setup for, I think, the most important payoff in this episode's finale. The Doctor is deeply compassionate and will fight for the rights of all, regardless of whether or not he likes the person. Now, Janeway isn't confident putting Tuvix straight away back on the bridge crew, as she's a little dubious and hasn't quite, you know, worked out what Tuvix is about yet, uh, but she suggests ways to work towards that aim. In his first officers meeting, Tuvix is able to combine his Tuvok and Neelix knowledge bases to come up with a unique explanation for how the fusion between the two characters may have occurred, showing that he is functionally useful as a combined being. Very shortly after this, Janeway confidently and comfortably thanks Mr. Tuvix, after he has shown himself useful. Just like that, Tuvix is born. It's the best theory I've heard so far. Good work, Mr. Tuvix. As an autistic trans person, this moment stands out a lot to me. I've experienced times in my life where my validity as a person has been treated as contingent on whether or not I can be different and unique in a useful way to others. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. You get to be called Mr. Tuvix, you get to be acknowledged as your own unique being, if you can prove that identity has utility for others. It's real, but it's depressing. Tuvix invites Kess over for dinner. She gives it a try, she opens up a little to the idea that this might, you know, in part be the man that she loves. He offers to cook her favourite dinner, and when she sees him step up to re-wrangle the kitchen, she sees the side of him that feels familiar to her. She's more comfortable with him when he's in this setting, and behaving like who he was before. She's more comfortable when she can pretend a little like this never happened. However, Tuvix really struggles with how to best navigate communicating with Kess without stepping over boundaries incorrectly. The mix of a relationship which has had to step back considerably, a set of memories of deep love and a set of memories deeply intertwined with an emotionless way of communicating, make for an understandable mix of poor communication styles. Skipping a little forward in the episode, um, the crew of the Voyager are running tests on the flower samples that were brought back up from the surface to see if those flowers might hold a key to reversing the combination between these two characters, but unfortunately, or fortunately for Tuvix maybe, all attempts to reverse the process fail. Tuvix asks if this means he's going to stay this way forever. He doesn't seem scared or upset, far from it. He seems almost intrigued. With the idea he might be this way forever, he continues to mentally adjust to being a new person, rather than holding out hope and putting himself on hold waiting to be two distinct people again. The Doctor insists that he will keep trying to reverse this process, but it may take a long time and it may never be possible. I feel as though I've lost two patients. I'm sorry. See, even at this point, the Doctor is doing the transparent thing. Sorry, I'm taking it back to this weird trans metaphor, but I think about this every time I watch this episode. 
the Doctor's doing the transparent thing of, I am mourning who you were. He mourns Tuvok and Neelix to Tuvix's face, and feels like he has failed Tuvix by not unmaking them. Again, this makes the ending more impactful, as you know that he's ultimately going to be the only person to see Tuvix as a unique being worthy of protection by the time this episode is done. The Doctor can simultaneously be upset at the loss of Tuvox and Neelix, but also happy that Tuvix is happy, and defend their right to exist as a new individual. Kess, on the other hand, is distraught at the realisation she's not going to get Neelix back. Um, despite her attempts to big up Tuvix as his own being, and yeah, have a name of your own, to, you know, get some emotional distance, she really, at the heart of it, wants Neelix back, and separate from Tuvok. Now, one failing I do think this episode has is I wish that there was more long-term impact on the Kess-Neelix dynamic after this episode. This is such a huge episode for their relationship, but it's unfortunately, like many plots in Star Trek, completely disregarded by the start of the next episode. Moving ahead to the next scene, Tuvix walks in on Kess mourning in front of Ocampan prayer tapers for Neelix and Tuvox. She's mourning their deaths. Again, this is very much how my mum reacted to me coming out, the feeling of mourning over a person who didn't exactly die. It's a weird situation, and... I imagine, from my own experiences, Tuvix probably has a lot of emotional stuff wrapped up in my existence is making other people mourn as though by being me I've killed people. It's a weird set of emotions to have to grapple with. It's funny. If something happened to Tuvok, if Neelix were here, he'd be the first person to comfort me. And if I lost Neelix, Tuvok would be the first person to guide me spiritually. Now I don't have either of them. Kess isn't open to the idea that Tuvix can fill either of those roles. She can't turn to him because he's a reminder of who she's lost. Tuvix says out loud here that he is trying to come to terms with himself as a separate new person. This makes sense. He's been told to become comfortable with maybe never turning back. He was encouraged by Janeway and the Doctor to emotionally settle into being Tuvix forever. If the transformation back had been offered before now, maybe it would have been okay, but this is where the moral line starts to form on forcing Tuvix to separate someday into Neelix and Tuvok again. You could argue, as I probably would, that from his creation he had a right to exist, but I feel like this is the moment where most people would draw that line. You've told Tuvix that he's probably going to be Tuvix forever, and to get used to that. To force him to change back into two separate different people after internalising his new identity is a really dangerous moral line to assert. Now, I want to compare this to the Star Trek The Next Generation episode where Data is put on trial. Little bit of background, Data is an android, there's a big debate throughout TNG as to whether he is sentient life and has the rights of sentient life. This particular episode is very specifically a trial to decide whether Data can be broken up and disassembled to make more androids like him. Does he have the right to exist, or should he be forced to die so that more Datas can be created? Does he have a right to life of his own, in spite of the cost it will have, 
and the fact that it will prevent other lives from existing in the future. It's an interesting comparison, and one where Tuvix could have used the same level of advocacy. Unfortunately, while that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation features a really strong advocate for Data, who ultimately manages to argue his right to existence, there is no such advocate fighting as hard to keep Tuvix alive. Both are essentially characters who will only get to live if we're okay with not creating other life in the future that's not currently here, and the moral arguments feel very comparable. As the episode progresses, Tuvix feels like a bit of an imposter, like he's living the remnants of two lives that are not his own. He and Kess suggest helping each other through this, acting as emotional support, no pressure to make this a romance. I love the idea of these two helping each other through this, but also we're about to encounter the one scene in this episode where I think Tuvix really fucking oversteps the line and acts as a really shitty person. I love Tuvix as a character, he's my precious son and I'll defend him until the end of time, but this is some not okay bullshit he pulls. I love you, Kes. But I hardly know you. Again, this is the crux of the mismatch between these two. Tuvix struggles to push aside the feelings he has and acknowledge that he needs to start over with Kes. And, and besides, what about... What about Tuvok's wife, for one thing? What about Tuvok's wife? Great question, Kess. If Tuvix starts dating Kess, and then they get back home eventually, and Tuvok's wife is there, you know, well, what are we gonna do? <laughs> oh, don't worry, Tuvix has a solution for that. Tuvix wants to pull Kess and Tapel into a polyamorous relationship really fucking fast. I 100% understand Kess being emotionally wrecked by Tuvix. He offers again and again to be there to emotionally support her, but that's bullshit. He already offered that, and seconds later he was trying to do a love confession. <sighs> Tuvix, you really need to just get over the fact that you have not dated Kess in the past. You need to start from scratch if you're going to do this. Either be there as a supportive friend, or start over trying to build a romantic relationship, you can't jump to the latter. <sighs> so at this point, we move on to quite a nice scene, actually, between Captain Janeway and Kess, basically trying to work through their emotions about this whole situation. Janeway talks a lot about what she likes about Tuvok and what she likes about Neelix, and... You know, basically just take some time to appreciate those aspects that, that she's missing right now. A lot of the things that she brings up are applicable to Tuvix, but it is it is what it is. During this conversation, Kess recognises that Tuvix is trying to comfort her, and that he does love her, and that he is his own wonderful new person, and basically, I don't excuse how Tuvix got here, but Kess does go, look, Maybe I should try and engage with the person who's here now and not be resentful for the fact that he's not Neelix. She doesn't have love for him. At least not yet. She still loves Neelix and isn't ready to give up hope that, that he's he's going to come back someday, despite what the Doctor has said. This leads on to a really neat bit of dialogue from Captain Janeway. You're experiencing what people on this crew have been going through since we first got stranded in this quadrant. Do we accept that we're separated from our loved ones forever? Or do we hold on to the hope that someday 
We'll be with them again. This is one of these running themes that comes up a few times throughout Star Trek Voyager because the question of whether this crew's ever going to get back home, considering how far away they are, is a is a real open question. And it's nice to see Captain Janeway open up a little bit about herself, um, about the fact that while sometimes she's optimistic about the future and she forces herself to have a certain level of optimism about getting home to the people she loves. Other days she truly despairs, feeling terribly discouraged. She really wrestles with, do I hold out hope that the person I love will be in my arms again someday, or do I move on and try to love someone new, knowing that maybe the person I love can come back in the future and that's going to be really weird and difficult and we'll have to cross that bridge when we come to it. It's a complicated question and one that I think really well summarises what Kez is going through. Someday Janeway may have to accept that her husband will never be a part of her life again, but she would never tell Kes or anyone to give up that hope themselves. I would never tell you or anyone else to give up hope, Kes. At this point in the episode we skip a couple of weeks forward in time. Tuvix is settling in, doing well at his tactical position job, and starting to build friendships. He's very much integrating into life as himself. Tuvix is portrayed as being more useful to the ship in combination than he is separately, as well as being someone that people find a lot more pleasant to know. A lot of the rough edges of the two have been smoothed out, and Tuvix is an easier person to like for many, Janeway included. Later, at the Hollow Bar, Tuvix and Kes meet back up. Kes apologises for being distant, and Tuvix says it's super okay. Kes would like to start a friendship with a view to it maybe slowly growing to be more over time. And at just the moment Kes has warmed up to the idea of starting over with Tuvix, he's called to medical. This is where the episode gets juicy. So, a method has been found to separate Tuvok and Neelix out of Tuvix. The Doctor, Janeway, and Kess are happy, ecstatic, relieved. This is everything they'd been hoping for. They assure Tuvix of the safety of the procedure, but he very cleanly explains his stance. I don't want to die. Captain Janeway would not have hesitated to split Tuvix back into Tuvok and Neelix, if the option had existed right away. I suspect Tuvix wouldn't have hesitated either, at least initially. I feel like if you had asked him, prior to Kess prompting him to pick a new name for himself, he probably would have accepted without much thought. Janeway points out that Tuvix has started to make a life, take on responsibilities, make friends. So, at what point did he become an individual? So, this is one of the more interesting questions of this episode. Rewatching it while I worked on the script for this video, I think there are a few times that you could argue are the point where that line is crossed. When he selected a name for himself, when he first acknowledged it was wrong for him to act like his constituent parts, when he resigned himself to staying this way, or even just when he decided he was distinct. This is one of the core questions of this whole episode. Janeway doesn't seem to doubt that Tuvix is an individual. She recognises it did happen, which you would hope would lead to the understanding that Tuvix needs to have rights. 
Janeway does invite Tuvix to share his perspective before she makes a choice about what to do, but while it's initially presented as, oh yeah, we'll just have a friendly conversation, it does seem more like Tuvix is being put on trial and forced to defend his own existence. And I thought it was important to get your perspective before making a decision. Are you suggesting that this is your decision to make? Does the right to bodily autonomy trump the decision-making rights of the ship's captain? Can the captain, for example, demand an abortion, or demand someone give up an organ against their will to a fellow crewmate to help save their life? Can a captain force someone not to be selfish with their own body and their own life? Aren't there two other lives to consider here? What about Tuvok and Neelix? Two voices that we can't hear right now. As captain, I must be their voice. I try and think about this like a wacky version of the trolley problem, hence the YouTube video name that I probably gave this. If you don't pull the lever, everything stays as it is. But if you pull it, one person dies so two others can be brought back to life. Do the rights of two who died before their time trump the rights of one person living now? Do you have the right to murder if you'd bring a greater number of lives back from the grave? Sure, those dead people probably do want to come back to life, but that doesn't mean you get to dismiss the life that will be lost to get there. Would you consider a magical ritual where one person is murdered to bring two people back from the grave to be a moral act to do without the consent of the sacrifice? If you abstract this trade one life you have now for bringing back two lives into other settings, into other contexts, it seems inconceivable that you would agree it was moral. Janeway says that she must be Tuvok and Neelix's voice because they cannot advocate for themselves. She assumes to know best what they would want, and not the person who literally has their brains in his brain. In many ways, it feels like, while Janeway says she's speaking for Neelix and Tuvox, she's ultimately talking for herself. She cannot know their wants. And I believe they would want to live. Look, Janeway, even if you're correct, does that mean that it is always moral to murder one unwilling victim to bring back two dead people, on the grounds that they would want to live. Tuvix wants to live too, and you have to actively kill him, knowingly, to bring those two back. What you're considering is an execution. An execution, like they used to do to murderers centuries ago. And I've committed no crime at all. Aren't you arguing for an execution too? Of Tuvok and Neelix? No, Janeway. You're arguing this is a typical trolley problem. One death or two. How many people die? Neelix and Tuvok are already dead. This isn't like Tuvix is going to pull the lever, killing two people to save himself. Their deaths have happened. To leave them dead is inaction. To bring them back is the action requiring a murder. Right, time now for some serious Janeway guilt tripping. Then you know Tuvok was a man who would gladly give his life to save another. And I believe the same was true of Neelix. This is incredibly manipulative. You could just as easily use this as a point to argue Tuvok and Neelix would give their lives to save another. They wouldn't want to live if it meant someone dying. They wouldn't want to kill Tuvix to bring themselves back. Their willingness to die for others' protection could be a reason to allow Tuvix to live, but Janeway uses it to suggest if Tuvix isn't willing to die, 
He's not as worthy of life as them. It's a logical trap. She's creating a situation where the only moral choice is suicide to bring back two dead people from the grave, or you're a monstrous person for not choosing to bring them back because they're more moral than you. Look at me, Captain. When I'm happy, I laugh. When I'm sad, I cry. When I stub my toe, I yell out in pain. I'm flesh and blood. And I have the right to live. Tuvix's speech advocating for his own right to live is beautifully handled. In particular, watching Tuvok's actor cry at the knowledge that he can emote and will likely lose that if he stops existing is a really strong argument for having this be a Tuvok actor episode and not having Neelix's actor be the one to play Tuvix. Tuvix comes to Kess begging her to advocate for his right not to be separated. It makes sense. The Neelix part of him loves her. She was the first to advocate for him picking his own name, being his own person. She has historically always been there to protect Neelix. Kess comes to speak with Janeway, but in a cruel twist of fate she refuses to be his advocate. Kess's performance here as distraught and conflicted is wonderfully handled. I know this sounds horrible, and I feel so guilty for saying it. And Tuvix doesn't deserve to die. But I want Neelix back. <laughs> she's not making a moral argument about the right to life. If anything, she's disregarding that argument. To cast her desire to see Neelix back trumps Tuvix's right to life. And that's incredibly tough to watch. It's a knowingly selfish act, and one the show doesn't try to sugarcoat or justify or explain away. This pulls back to what I was saying at the start of this episode. Kess was the person who told Tuvix he needed his own name. She was the first person to push him to be a person in his own right. Distinct. She built him up, but as soon as undoing it is on the table, she's ready to throw away the rights of the person she helped build. I don't think she does the morally right thing by disregarding Tuvix's right to life, but that's what's so interesting. We get to see where her moral line falters. Tuvix heads up to the bridge at this point for work. You know, average work day, everything's fine. Janeway quietly asks to speak to Tuvix alone. Tuvix knows exactly what this conversation is going to be. He refuses to have it alone or quietly. He wants everyone to know her decision. He wants this decision to be made in front of everyone else. She calls security to the bridge. Commander, you gotta stand by and do nothing while she commits murder. What? Mr. Ayala! Yes. Lieutenant Paris. You! Everyone on the bridge ignores his pleas. Doesn't anyone see that this is wrong? It's really brutal watching nobody advocate for Tuvix's rights. I get it from a writing perspective, but the idea that not one person on the ship will stand up against the captain on this is heartbreaking. We saw so many people grow to know, befriend, and love Tuvix, but as soon as the option to trade him for Tuvok and Neelix is back on the table, 
They disregard the person they knew as though he was nothing. Tuvix is frantic, scared, and distraught like a cornered animal. He tries futilely to flee. Each of you is going to have to live with this. And I'm sorry for that. For you are all good. Good people. My colleagues. My friends. I forgive you. Then we get down to the med bay, where the doctor is expected to separate Tuvix. As I alluded to earlier, this is the payoff for the doctor's initial hatred of Tuvix. The only person who never warmed up to liking him as a person is the only person brave enough to stand in defiance of what is about to happen. I'm sorry, Captain, but I cannot perform the surgical separation. I am a physician, and a physician must do no harm. I will not take Mr. Tuvik's life against his will. Very well, Doctor. Please step aside. Honestly, Janeway, this should have been your moment to realise this was wrong. The Doctor has always been unshakable in his morality. He's an incredible judge of right and wrong, and to see his only ever refusal to act, hand-waved away, suggests, at least to me, she knows that this is wrong and is doing it anyway. She may claim she's doing it because it's the right thing to do, but deep down I think she's in the same boat as Kess. She feels guilty and wants a justification, so she doesn't need to feel guilty about wanting her friends back. However, getting back to the Doctor, he doesn't make any attempt to stop Janeway being able to do the procedure herself. He does not prevent harm, nor attempt to. He just does not do the harm himself. It's not much, but it's the only stance we see defending Tuvix's right to exist in this finale. I wish we'd seen him actively try and get in the way and try to stop the procedure from happening, maybe needing to be forcibly deactivated in the process, but maybe that's the point. He knows alone he can't stop the captain. She can turn him off anyway. At least this way he's still present as Tuvix's sole advocate in his final moments, rather than being deactivated and leaving Tuvix to go through this alone. Not one person in this scene so much as says I'm sorry to Tuvix. Now, this episode ends really abruptly, and this is my other complaint about this episode. Um... No time is dedicated to seeing the aftermath. We don't so much as get to see Tuvok and Neelix, you know, address what they think about the situation or see a reunion with any of the, the, the people on the ship. We never get to learn how Tuvok and Neelix feel about what happened, whether they feel guilt perhaps about the fact that their life came at the cost of Tuvix's. <sighs> Janeway, more than anyone else in the crew, has to live with that choice. Everyone else can push responsibility off onto her. I really want a show like this to show me the aftermath of these kind of episodes, and not just pretend that's the end of things. Those two were one person, and while we see how they're closer afterwards, in future episodes the two of them do seem to have a better understanding of each other's perspectives, but never dealing with the price of their separation. Like, How do they feel about who they were when they were together? 
we get episodes that are dedicated to Tuvox and Neelix being, you know, more friendly to each other and understanding each other. The implication from future episodes showing Tuvok and Neelix being more friendly and understanding each other is that they either remember their time as Tuvix, or at the very least retain some understanding of each other's perspectives. This has an impact on the ongoing show, but I wish the show had the guts to let us sit with how Tuvok and Neelix feel about the memory of watching the crew not even take a cursory effort to prevent their shared execution. If they remember being Tuvix, and I think the show makes a good argument that they do remember being Tuvix, considering their improved understanding of each other, they must remember what it was like to beg for their life to the crew and watch nobody be there to protect them. That's got to be heartbreaking, and I wish that we delved into more of that. Honestly, if anyone knows any good, like, fan fiction about, like, the aftermath of that episode, please send it to me. I'm not much of a fanfic person, but this is a thing I would 100% read fanfiction about. So yeah, that is Season 2, Episode 24 of Star Trek Voyager, Tuvix. Um, let me know what you thought of this. I kind of want to do this about more episodes of, of TV shows and things like that. I got a bunch of, of episodes where I'm like, I really like this one, I want to talk about this one a bunch. Thank you very much. Have a good day, everyone. Bye. <laughs>